We know big government does not have all the answers. We know there's not a program for every problem. We know and we have worked to give the American people a smaller, less bureaucratic government in Washington. And we have to give the American people one that lives within its means. The era of big government is over. Oh, 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 oh. You know, I think it's hilarious that Cory Bush is actually uh, fundraising off of her being called a radical Marxist. Oh, yeah? She sent. Radical. She sent Hollywood. out a. Radical Marx. <laughs> She sent out a fundraising email about a half an hour ago. Uh, and she's like using how she was being attacked as a radical Marxist. And be like, no, that's actually not a terrible thing. I find that amusing. Pretty tight. I mean, <laughs> I mean, most of last night was entertaining. Yeah. I think my two favorite speakers were that uh, that one, that like Cuban guy who was like the oil executive. The and, guy from Up. Yeah, the, the guy from Up oh, with like the accent yeah. crying about uh, Fidel Castro. And then that woman who was like basically shouting the entire time. Gavin Newsom's ex-wife. Yeah, I honestly kind of feel like she wasn't really talking about like national politics so much as she was trying to use her speech as like kind of a metaphor for her like unresolved feelings. Seems a little bit like it has something to do with her ex-husband given I mean her husband did like cheat on her with like her campaign managers with this staff. Okay, well that's a that's too bad. Yeah, she's just, well, he's uh, now governor of California, so God, also uh, I thought he was gay. Is he not gay? He must not be gay. Apparently not. Okay. Gavin Newsom. I guess I just assumed because he was <laughs> the mayor of San Francisco or something. Ooh. I mean, by that logic, Diane Feinstein would also be. Well, who says she's not? I don't know. I'm from California. I can say these things. We're all like slowly going mad, but it's okay because the Arctic is on fire. Exactly. Bring that up again. <laughs> like I said, the world's on fire. How about, How about yours? yours? That's the way we like it, and we will never get bored, unfortunately. <laughs> That's what it's like for the new gen. They'll never get bored. It'll be a terrible life of misery, but they'll never get bored. I mean, there is that Chinese on the right side. in interesting times. <laughs> yes, never get bored. <laughs> he, he says to the guy with ADHD. <laughs> yeah, I never get bored anyway. It's kind of drift off. My favorite speaker last night, though, was Don Jr., of course. Fucking hilarious. His incredibly coked out eyes. That man very much on something last night. Loved it. Loved to see it. It's funny. The Nation actually had an article this morning, and the first sentence of the article was, and I quote, cocaine and Donald Trump Jr. started trending at the same exact time last night. (laughs) Best way to start an article. He was looking rough. Even though it's funny, the article actually argues that it it wasn't cocaine so much as it was existential dread. And a lot of cocaine. I'm sure it was was cocaine. The great thing about... The great thing about cocaine is how your ability to perceive how coked out you look decreases exponentially with the more cocaine that you do. There was a lot of existential dread as fueled by a ton of cocaine. I mean, they were all kind of insane in their own ways for the most part. There was that, like, bone cancer survivor who was like, well, Democrats view, uh, want you to believe that they think uh, government-run insurance is a right. The right to marijuana, opioids, and I forget what the third one was. Oh, the right to die in dignity. That was a weird thing, the right to die in dignity. Like, like that's a bad thing. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that was very strange here. Scott, Scott, are you eating right now? I am, and it's good. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what are you eating? Craig. It's um, good, Craig. Uh, tofu and rice and um, broccoli. Craig. On the tofu, Craig. <laughs> Why is Craig a horror movie villain? Yeah. Why is Craig basically the antagonist of this entire... <laughs> <laughs> Craig. <laughs> the it's like man. a horror movie mixed in with like one of those movies where like all the robots take over. Craig. <laughs> Jesse's the robot. Jesse is how. Fucking disconnected <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> you guys want to talk about Bill Clinton? <laughs> yes, actually. Um in in short, the the short version is he sucked. The long version, well, is longer than that. He uh, he didn't really waste any time doing terrible things. Uh, in his first year in office, he cut $255 billion for Medicare, for example. In a very hotly contested budget uh, that barely passed Congress, it passed with like like two or three votes to spare in the House. Al Gore had to break, a, break the tie in the Senate. And it did a lot of things. It raised taxes on the top federal income rate to by 8% to 39% garbage. Uh, it raised fuel taxes, increased corporate Corporate tax income, uh, corporate income taxes. It cut $255 billion from Medicare and, and the military in an effort to balance the budget, because I guess that, that's what he was obsessed with at the moment for most of his presidency, <laughs> really. Wasn't the uh, campaign, like, wasn't their whole slogan, like, it's the economy stupid? Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> How, what, what policies did they run on? Were they very, like, did were they, like, very progressive? He actually kind of ran as, like, a left wing ish candidate. He played it, his saxophone. Yeah. He played, he, he, so he ran it, as a cool guy. He ran, he ran as like the like left wing guy, which is, you know, it just kind of goes to further that argument. Like, well, when you run as a centrist, you can't win. But when you run as like the progressive guy who wants to give everybody health care, you actually succeed. It also backs up the uh, point that Jamie Peck made. Like, you could just call communism cool world and people would probably be into it. Exactly. Did he run on universal health care? Yes, he did, actually. Uh, and basically... Fox... <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny. Uh, was uh, Well, actually, it's not really funny, but kind of really weird in the sense that history is rhyming is he basically ran on what uh, would eventually become Obamacare in 1993. At the time, uh, there were what, like 40 million uninsured and he ran on basically what was what would eventually become Obamacare. It was like uh, universal. It was like everybody would have to. It was like they had like the exchanges and uh, protected against pre-existing conditions and it required everybody to to enroll in a health healthcare plan through like individual mandates and subsidies were going to be given to those who couldn't couldn't afford coverage and users would like pick plans offered by like regional health alliances or which are basically like whoever's offering coverage on like the exchange and yeah it's basically obamacare but obviously Republicans hated it because they they actually understand like class power and they they have this intense fear of the slippery slope of like well oh it's another entitlement if they if the workers get health care then it's going to be like we can't fire them anymore then it's going to be like oh they want like more unions they want more housing and it's going to be like this slippery slope to eventually we find ourselves in communism so the Republicans fought it tooth and nail 
the uh, hospital association uh, infamously fought it pretty aggressively, running uh, a famous like ad, like a fear mongering ad called uh, known as Harry and Louise. And this was paid for by the Health Insurance Association of America. And it was basically like these middle aged, this middle aged couple who were kind of like freaking out about the idea of like the Clinton health care plan. And it worked because it never actually got to vote, despite the fact Democrats controlled both chambers of Congress at the time. Wasn't Gingrich like one of the guys who was like really like virulently against like uh, what Clinton was trying to do with health care? He's virulently opposed to basically everything. So yeah, like like Gingrich was like in a way uh, one of Clinton's nemesis nemesis. Kind of yes and no, because like Clinton did actually just moving to my next point, Clinton actually was working on a deal with uh, Gingrich in October of 1997 to privatize Social Security, Social Security and Medicare, actually, uh, in the fall of 1997. And then how fortunately for America, uh, in January of 98, the Monica Lewinsky scandal broke out into the open and Clinton abandoned that out of uh, his desire to enter like political self-president reservation mode. <laughs> Monica saved us. Yeah. Yes. Monica Lewinsky <laughs> saved Social saved Security. She saved your Social Security, you fucking boomers. Give her give her a fucking break. God. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Be nice to Monica. She's done more for this country than any of you. What's really disturbing, though, is, like, how popular at the time the notion of, like, potentially privatizing Social Security was. Like, uh, Mark Penn, who people know or might know as, like, the Clintons, one of their flunkies who's been, like, serving them for decades now. He ran a poll in August of 1997 and found that 73% of Democrats in August 1997 favored some form of privatizing Social Security. How far to the right things were at the time. So it makes sense why they picked Biden and uh, Harris this year. Exactly. Wait a second. Well, what was that a function of? Was that a relic of Bush or Reagan somehow? Well, I mean, I I think the, I think the Clinton administration kind of operated within like the framework, uh, like the uh, Overton window framework of the Reagan years worked, of like cutting cutting services, deregulating things because like Clinton deregulated a ton of shit during his time in office. Like I had to subject myself to like a twenty minute speech he gave about uh, blowing up the welfare system. It was this like sickening, callous, soul sucking ode to individualism that like honestly like was more psychologically scarring and only twenty. 20 minutes than like four hours of Republican national convention coverage. See, this this is what we mean uh, when we say there's no difference between the bourgeois parties. They both talk about uh, capital. They both talk about individualism. They're both about destroying uh, the labor movement. So, hey. Like in this speech, Clinton literally calls like poor parents, like deadbeat parents. Ah, and and. What did Harris call uh, the parents of truant kids? Also deadbeat, so. Mm. It's fucking eternal return. Oh, yeah. It's happening here. (sighs) Fucking perfect time. That's what Jesse thinks about that. The whole thing, that the way that went down was grotesque because, like, the actual name of the bill that, like, fundamentally, like, completely restructured the welfare system, uh, the actual name of the bill is... The Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Act of 1996. It's a Personal Responsibility Act. You go on America Online, you find yourself a job. <laughs> it's a whole new, there's a whole new horizon. 
That's pretty good. Dad <laughs> up on your modem there. Clinton was pushing for this bill, and it was passed largely on the backs of Republicans. Because, for example, in the House, uh, 226 Republicans and 30 Democrats voted for, to push the bill through the House. Uh, and four Republicans, 165 Democrats, and Bernie Sanders voted against the bill. And it passed 256 to 170. Was Bernie the only independent at that point? Yes. <laughs> you could really just say for a lot of things, like, this many Democrats, this many Republicans, and also Bernie Sanders voted against. I also find it kind of, like, dis- like disturbing, like, the idea, it because it, it has this, like, echo to, like, the rhetoric today that is used about COVID, about people, like, staying home from work, or, like... Mitch McConnell's like, yeah, we don't want to be paying people enough so they like don't feel they need to go out to work because Clinton said uh, frequently said in the speech uh, when he was rolling out the announcing the uh, bill signing quote arguing that quote people were trapped in a cycle of poverty and just simply uh, living off of the checks and not working. And the uh, welfare reform bill, it dismantled uh, the program called uh, A2 Families with Dependent Children, AFDC, and, which was a program that gave out like cash cash payments to extremely poor, like working class people, families. Like It was like for uh, like single parents who were like incredibly poor. And so they dismantled that, and which was a federal program. They dismantled that. They replaced it with this thing called TAMF, Temporary Assistance to Needy Families. And what that affected, they also implemented work requirements for the first time. AFDC had been around since like the th- late 30s. Testing? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> Aid Families with Dependent Children was a New Deal program from 1937. And so they replaced it with this thing called Temporary Assistance to Needy Families, in which the welfare, the welfare program, like the administration of it, was transferred from the federal government to the states in which the states were put in charge of running their own individual state-by-state welfare systems basically tamf doesn't exactly roll off the tongue yeah it doesn't and so it has also it has a five-year maximum so like you could only be on the program for like a maximum of five years and then you're cut off for the rest of your life if you still need it tough luck uh it implemented work requirements for the first time in a welfare program in this country and the argument was like oh we're gonna make people go to work and earn a living and we want to get as many Clinton literally was like we, we want to get as many people off welfare as possible and welfare is more like unwelfare yep <laughs> it's like we want to reduce welfare dependency but we don't really care how like how fucked you guys are how wild is that you gotta work to get welfare see see see, see when you're working you get this thing called a wage uh <laughs> And, and that's and that's the, the welfare. That's the welfare. And so when you don't have a job, that's when you need the welfare. So, um, anyways, so <laughs> makes total sense. Clinton literally said, like, we want to stop uh, in in this like speech he made at like the the bill signing. Quote, we want to we want to get people to stop collecting welfare checks and get them to start collecting a paycheck. <laughs> oh god then start a fucking universal employment program right anyway yeah, i know right and that it was also insane because at the time they were like heralding like oh they were celebrating like an 11 percent poverty rate and yes i do see the comedy and yelling at like bill clinton from 1992 so this is 1996 actually anyways <laughs> i'm yelling at the past he blew up the welfare system like three months before he got reelected. How did? But how did that happen? That seems like a horrible time to do that. Fucking 
Well, it was, the, it was the 90s. Like everything, everything was shifting to the right. He wanted to make he wanted to make the case of like uh, to like to to like moderates and conservatives. Like, look, I'm just as capable of sticking at the poor people as Republicans are. Yeah, that's the post Reagan culture. It's like I'm just as capable of sticking into the quote-unquote welfare queens as Bob Dole is. Just because sure. I don't talk about myself in the third person doesn't mean I'm not qualified to make life help for poor people. <laughs> <laughs> we miss him, Bob Dole. We miss him. Is he dead? No, oh, I don't no. think he's Fucking Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to look this up right now. Bob Dole. Either way, we miss him. <laughs> he's a walking corpse Jesus. he's 97 actually, years old holy shit what the fuck are you serious yep. actually scott he's not capable of walking because he was disabled during world war ii so okay but like he he can wait, he's he was, he's a he's a he rolling walking, corpse on his he wheelchair he's walking on the campaign <laughs> was talking? he always in a wheelchair yeah when he no, was running? not bob dole yeah, he, no, he was not. Okay, we need to settle he this. He fell off a stage. He was climbing the stairs. That's definitely not getting hurt in a war. <laughs> he might have been hurt. Like, he was. He was he, in World he, War II. He was not in a wheelchair until like like ten years ago. Okay. He was not in a wheelchair in the nineties. Let's clear this up. I, I was I was alive then. I remember. So okay, All I'm right. old. Sorry, guys. Jesus, I'm gonna go. go <laughs> Think about things a little bit. <laughs> Can you feel some feelings about Bob Dole? You're talking about uh, foreign policy. Was it bad? Um, yeah. <laughs> How it was, bad was it? It was mostly about, like, consisted of him bombing countries indiscriminately. And also, there were other things yeah. in domestic policy that he did that we're still dealing with the effects of. Such as? Like, <laughs> NAFTA, the crime bill, repealing Glass-Steagall, the Telecommunications Act, which yeah, is why we have... Glass- that's, shut up, Melissa Milano. That's one of the things that the Democrats did, is they repealed Glass-Steagall. That's not good. That's the whole reason we're in the fucking, like, hellscape we're in now. Yeah, like, like most Democrats actually voted to repeal Glass-Steagall. See, they all, at the end of the day, they all bend the knee to capital, you know? 138 Democrats voted for Glass-Steagall repeal in the House. 69 Democrats voted against. Bernie Sanders voted against it. And interestingly enough, 16 Republicans also voted against Glass-Steagall, but like almost all of them voted for it. Democrats are nice. Wake up, people. These banks are too big to fail. <laughs> and that was bullshit, too. Like a lot of Democrats who are still in Congress who actually voted to repeal Glass-Steagall. A little unnerving, almost. Like who? Name them. Any from Mass? Richard Neal, for one. <laughs> Aim and shame. Jim McGovern, who represents, like, the Worcester area. Ugh. Uh, where else? The name sounds familiar. Very familiar. Jim Clyburn voted uh, for it. It's not so Remind our listeners who he is. He is the, like, number three Democrat in the House right now. He is the House Majority Whip. Uh-huh. Oh. He'll whip you. They never go away. They're fucking demons. Steny Hoyer voted for it. He is the <laughs> House Majority Leader. Uh, I can't remember which Kennedy it was who was in. Uh, I know Egg, uh, which was Kennedy was. No, because I'm looking at the House vote because, like, basically it passed in the Senate, like, along party lines. Ah, uh, which, which Kennedy? So that would imply that Ted voted for it then. Yeah, uh, probably. Uh, the Senate, actually, no, the Senate voted 90 to 8. So basically everybody did. Democrats. Patrick Kennedy, I think, was the the Kennedy in that house who voted for it. How many are there? There's fucking There's too re- many Kennedys. I can't keep track of them. There was a Kennedy in the house who voted for it from Massachusetts. They're crawling out of the fucking. They're the deep ones. They come out of the fucking the seat. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming out of the ceiling like orcs in uh, Lord of the Rings. What has Joe Kennedy the Third done? What skeletons are in his closet? 
What have you done, Joe? We're gonna find out that he he likes you know started a blackface party at his private high school or some shit like that. Yeah, in college. Yeah, no. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) This is only speculation, but I have a feeling. I just have a feeling, guys. And then the other like two big, well, other like three big things that he did that were still stuck with the effects of are obviously NAFTA, which goes without saying, is terrible. That's something that most people know about by this point. Uh, The crime bill, which stand for. The North American Free Trade Agreement. Mm-hmm. When you hear those, like, weirdo fucking reactionary YouTubers, ah, N- NAFTA make America an all-one country, like, no? But no. in terms of Scott, trade... Scott, Yeah? Start that rant over. You got, like, right. split up. I got split up? That's something. Yeah, you're bleeping. You're bleeping. Oh, you, no. You blooped. You're cutting in and out. You're cutting in and out. So that 56K modem got to upgrade. I mean, it really just was designed to make it easier for capital to fuck over workers and to, like, uh, basically defang the American labor movement. What are the specifics? Because I don't necessarily, like, I always forget. It removed, like, barriers to trade investment between the three countries. Uh, it was, like, we're going to, like, cut down tariffs. We're going to make it easier for, like, employers to, like, shift their uh, operations across borders, which is, like, the auto industry famously, for example, like, started moving all of their production to Mexico. Yeah, basically, it's all the shit that when Trump ran in 2016... We're going to bring back them jobs. Yeah, it was like... Bring back the factory. It was like the impetus for a Trump presidency. Outsourcing all of our fucking labor as cheaply as we can get it, where we can get it. And, you know, it, that was kind of proven, like, the anger about that was proven to be very much present, like, because, like, Sanders and Trump both, were, like, ran very effectively on opposing NAFTA four years ago. To also was the impetus for enormous amounts of laborers to uh, migrate illegally into the U.S. from Mexico. When countries like the United States outsource labor to places like Mexico, the workers, they don't own the means of production. And so they don't have the ability to push back against horrible working conditions. They don't have the ability to fight for living wages and they don't get any of the benefits because all of that work that they do ends up just exporting the products back to the United States. It's it's what happened in India with Gandhi. You know what's curious, though, is actually uh, Mexico got shafted by it. Is Yeah, uh, it shafts the country. No, because, like, uh, Mexico was hit really hard oh. by, like, a lot of job losses because of NAFTA. Because uh-huh. not only were jobs moving out of the United States, but jobs are also moving out of Mexico at the same time. Well, and the United States is also, like, sucking up part of the labor market. Yeah, uh, like, that was largely because, uh, like, actually, most of Mexico's job losses was, like, in the agricultural sector. Because, uh, like, California, for example, was just uh, taking advantage of, like, all of these migrant workers being put out of work. And all of these migrant workers were going to California to, like, go work in the agricultural sector, like, for, like, under-the-table wages, basically. Yep, and it's still that way today. And the town I grew up in would not have an economy without those workers. Yeah, I think California has some crazy percentage of the farming industry in the u.s like over 90 percent yeah and it's like it's not like charming individual farms like in massachusetts it's it's like big ag monsanto country big ag 
It's like it's nuts that like they were able to push this through so effectively because like in 2015 uh of 2014 a study on the effects of nafta on u.s jobs like u.s lost like 851,000 jobs because of nafta i would bet it's more than that well that was like a study that's what the study from 2014 concluded but hey congressional but the congressional research service a year later estimated that NAFTA caused U.S. GDP to increase by one half of 1%. So I guess 800,000 jobs is totally worth it. Again, GDP is the worst measure for progress. It was, I was saying like from like capital's perspective, it was worth it by that, yeah, man. by that measurement. I know. That's precisely my point. The investors were happy. That's uh, another instance where it feels like an eerie, like, like echo of like today, because like the investor class is like exu- absolutely like over the fucking moon with the way that things are working in the stock market right now. Whereas there's still like, like what, like 40 million Americans who don't have a job right now? Something like that. Yeah. Saw a figure that said 30, but... Total number of unemployment claims since the beginning of the uh, pandemic in the United States is like 57 million, but that, but not all of those people are still out of work. Like, a lot yeah. of them have either been called back to work or, like, being brought back for, like, reduced pay. It comes as no surprise to anybody that Amazon has been taking advantage of this more, seemingly more so than any other corporation. But at the beginning of the big spike in unemployment on every fucking podcast I listened to that had paid advertising, there was an Amazon ad. Like, and they weren't even that well produced. Oh! Getting called out for your shitty production. (laughs) Amazon ads. Fuck you. they've, They've been blasting the airwaves with TV ads, but like, look how great we are. Seriously. Motherfucker still watches TV. Wow. Well, I uh, live with, he lives with his grandparents. I live with old people, man. <laughs> Motherfucker still it. out here watching TV. I love it. They, they love that boob tube. Old <laughs> hey, they're both in like the mid 70s, so they, they're glued to it. I thought it was funny today. My grandmother actually complained that like uh, Governor Baker had like, uh, she, apparently he, his uh, daily coronavirus press conference interrupted one of her soap operas and she was like why the fuck does he have to be doing this right now her stories yes. you watch your stories That's actually what she calls them adios mio telenovelas yeah maria por qué and then the other two major shitty things Clinton did on uh, domestic policy were obviously the crime bill. Very bad. Yeah, and... Uh, three strike, uh, very bad model. Yeah, three strikes laws. Uh, it was passed by the Senate like 95 to 4. Uh, originally... And the same House, government. <laughs> the House voted like 235 to 195. Even Bernie voted for it because uh, his justification was like the, uh, he was voting for the Violence Against Women Act and the that fucking lib. Well, uh, there was like the Violence Against Women's Act and also like uh, a federal assault weapons ban. This is a 94 crime bill, right? Yeah, the one that uh, Biden was heavily involved in as well. He he actually wrote the the Senate bill. Yeah. Who Bernie did? The Senate ver- no, no Biden. Biden. Oh. <laughs> Biden, oh, Biden wrote the Senate version of the bill. That motherfucker. It's like what we said. And he pushed it through. Biden wrote the bill, and Kamala fucking and, enacted it. 
You know who was, you know, was really heavily lobbying for the crime bill? Paula Harris in the womb. I don't know how old she is. <laughs> She's probably like. <laughs> the answer to my statement was actually the National Association of Police Organizations. Na- Wait, what? Say the name. National Organization of Police. The National Association of Police Organizations. Oh, oh. I was hoping it was NOPA or NOPO. <laughs> nope. Yeah, NOPO. Napo. 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 <laughs> Napo. Hey guys, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go have a little napo. The specifics <laughs> of the bill, uh, it it provided for 100,000 new police officers across the United States, almost 10 billion dollars in funding for prisons, 6.1 billion dollars for violence prevention programs, uh, which were designed with quote significant input from expe- quote unquote experienced police officers. Hmm. Uh, and it's just a few bad apples. Other parts of the of the act fucking uh, choking people out. There was a ten. Year, there was a a federal assault weapons ban that uh, expired in 2004. It was set to last ten years, and it expired during the Bush administration. Uh, it also made immigration law much tougher, and it also required states to establish registries for sexual offenders. And it greatly expanded the death penalty at the time. Wait a second! Greatly expanded the death penalty. Yes. You didn't have to be just kind of dead. You could be kind of dead, <laughs> definitely dead, yeah. or extra dead. Super fried. You'd be dead That's as crazy. shit. <laughs> I, honestly, that kind of sounded more like George W. Bush than Bill Clinton. <laughs> be <laughs> dead as shit. prisoners dead. <laughs> If anybody cares, by the way, in 1994, uh, Kamala Harris was 29 and 30, and she was a deputy DA in Alameda County, California. So yeah. she very well could have supported, you know, She did all that from way. the womb. She didn't right. come out for 30 years. Jesus. I mean, actually, she probably did, because in 2002, when she ran for, like, I think it was, like, LA, San Francisco or L.A. County DA, she ran against a progressive, like, an, a legit progressive, like, prosecutor. And her campaign was, like, making the, like, predicated on the argument that he wasn't throwing enough people in jail. And who wasn't? Uh, like, the incumbent that she was running against. He sounds like good, you know, I'm thinking... She sounds like good vice president, presidential material, you know? Yeah, totally. In, in, in a future sense, yeah. Like, she's, well, I mean, she is the president in waiting. If there's ever been a good time to pick a fucking cop as a VP, like, now is yeah, definitely the time. Again, another situation where, like, a lot of Democrats... Uh, who are still in Congress voted for the crime bill. Uh, among those, Nancy Pelosi voted for it. Steny Name Boyer voted for it. Fuck that fucking Jim bitch. Clyburn voted for it. Uh, I, Joe, Ke- Joe Kennedy III's either his dad or his uncle voted for it. I can't remember. You take cloth wearing One of those many, many Nancy Kennedys. Nancy Pelosi's a whore. That can take... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, Marty Meehan, who is now the president of the University of Massachusetts school system, voted for it. He's probably this piece of shit. I don't know. I'm at the. He represented the district at the time, the district that I currently live in. Before and then he uh, stepped down from that congressional seat to go become the president of UMass. District is that? Uh, at the time, it was the Massachusetts Seventh. It's now the Massachusetts Third. What's your address? <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> All right, continue. I'm sorry. I've... <laughs> uh, I'm looking through the roll call vote. Like, man, there are a lot of them. Rosa Delora, she's uh, she's a chairwoman of, I think, education and labor in the House. She voted for it. The sad thing is, is like she's actually like one of the like less terrible Democrats at the House. And even she kind of sucks. So 
is that? Jay Inslee voted for it. That's a surprise. Oh, Jay Inslee voted for the crowd. He's the he's the he's the world's on fire guy. Yeah, he's the world on fire. Screamed the world's on fire at people all the time. It's just his hobby now. In his defense, could have been a green prison with like solar solar panels. Well, actually, uh, Inslee's justification was he was voting for it because of the assault weapons ban. Oh, was that a part of the bill? Yeah. Uh, I wonder what uh, I wonder what Marx would say about that. It was a ten-year ban on uh, assault. Marx would say, "Fuck level. this shit, fuck this Clinton bitch, and slap him." Also, Richard Neal voted for it. I just noticed that. I mean, R- Richard Neal's been on like the wrong side of basically everything. Fuck this Richard Neal bitch. Yeah, Richard Neal um, recently put out an ad. Oh. It's him completely lying about his role in the healthcare industry. And I guess oh, this is also the point where we should say that we're, we we uh we're we're a pro Morse podcast at the moment. So mm-hmm. officially pro Morse. Yes, to uh, reply to the thing that we the, what was said on episode nine. We have uh, Morse remorse. It's a dialectic. We were. It was an incorrect take the first time we've learned. And it blew. And, like, like actually, I'm pretty impressed at how he came out better at the end of that. So, hey. Actually, I, I'm not entirely Litter. surprised because, like, a lot of these smear tactic kind of things lately have been kind of blow, backfiring, like, tremendously lately. Like, Alex Morris, that kind of blew up in his face. Elizabeth Warren, like, trying to stab Bernie in the back that blew up in her face. Democrats are bad at... She's a snake, bro. ...doing this shit all of a sudden. They don't They don't got it the same way that the Republicans Elizabeth have Warren it. Well, we could have had, we could have had universal snake. healthcare, but snake emojis. Yeah. You know, I think it's, like, the perfect karma that, like, she stabbed the left in the back twice, and all she's gotten out of it is, like, most likely drawing, a, like, a left-wing primary challenge in four years. Wait, twice? Well, yeah, I mean, like, she she refused to endorse Bernie in 2016, when oh. she was basically seen as, like, the kingmaker of that primary. Mm. And she endorsed Hillary, like, the day after the California primary, when, like, the primary had already ended. Oh, fuck. Oh, okay. And then she made up the whole thing about actually really three times when you think about it because she like the second it's a time was like come lately I got it yeah because like the second time was when she accused Bernie of being a sexist and uh, they asked him that question at the debate right. did you say that like a woman can never be a president no Senator Warren why did he say this to you yeah fuck and that then, debate remember when that shit was happening that was wild yeah I was I was at uh I was at it was right after like a DSA for Bernie subcommittee meeting and I was at a bar and I think actually it was the middle least bar it uh was some comrades and i was like one of like several people like screaming at the tv i was there yeah that was that was an interesting night did it scream back yeah dude it was interactive television it's like some (laughs) william gibson shit (laughs) (laughs) some mid cronenberg shit it was great uh it's the future (laughs) the the chirons from cnn that night were like fucking wild like yeah, it was. How, a, how do you pro- how do you propose wild to pay? They were like they were like Senator Sanders. How do you propose to pay for the the healthcare plan that's going to bankrupt America and shit like that? <laughs> was that the Jake Tapper? Were those Tapper's question? Yeah, it was like yeah. it was like, oh, Senator Sanders, why do you want the Boston bomber to be able to that vote? Piece of shit. <laughs> Jake Tapper, yeah. suck a dick. And then I remember suck Bernie was me. basically like, "We're vulgar up. tonight. <laughs> We're extremely vulgar and misogynist." Jake Tapper can suck my dick. It's appropriate for uh for uh I only I'm only keeping my mouth shut because President Clinton is here, and uh, if he says something that is chauvinist and horrible, at least it's him and not any of you guys saying it. I remember that that was kind of funny, like. Jake Tapper is asking these questions, and Bernie would be like, Jake, shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, 
Jake, and then, shut the fuck up. I'm gonna need a source on that one. <laughs> well, he didn't explicitly say that, but he like he's like Senator Reddy. Sanders. <laughs> but like it was like uh, in Jake, his, he's like. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> he didn't like explicitly uh, say that, but he's Bernie like, dude. Will never get, but yeah, we all wish okay. we had. Good. He didn't explicitly say yeah, it, but he good. was like, dude, stop <laughs> with the talking points from like the Heritage Foundation. Oh, wow. The guy who said, I just want to talk to you, Bernie. Who is that? I forget his name. That was Tom Steyer. Okay, I already forget everybody's name. My favorite was, like, how he dropped out of the race. Because <laughs> he, he was trying, he, he, he backed that ass up so hard. Yeah, like, I just so remember that balls. video of him dancing to back that ass up. I woke up the other day thinking about that video. Oof. That's how broken my brain is, everyone. What was the last bad thing that Clinton did? I mean, probably not, like, well, not the, the last bad, you know what I mean. <laughs> Well, the last major, well, actually, there are two others. One of them I don't know as much about because I don't know that much about derivatives because I'm not a financial trader. But, uh, yeah, the last major thing was the uh, Telecommunications Act of 1996, and that basically completely deregulated the uh, telecom industry, and which is why we only have, like, four internet providers left because yeah. almost immediately we after... Have four? Well, what is it like? Verizon, T-Mobile. Thought it was just Comcast. And yeah, we only have like RCN British. and Comcast. That's it. Well, actually, that's well. I was gonna get to that. What's uh, this sorry. for? You speak of, <laughs> sir. <laughs> well, like, this is why we only have like four, like phone like four phone providers, and we only have like a couple like tele like internet providers in the country. The phone providers have merged. Like T-Mobile and Sprint are the same now. Um, you guys keep, you keep you guys keep like jumping the gun like right before I'm about to say it. To make the Sorry, point that Joe. Clinton wrote the bill that let those things happen. Uh, like well, almost immediately after the telecom uh, act passed, all, like all of the all of like the telecom companies like went on a merger orgy. Basically, every shitty person voted for it. Like both both Massachusetts senators voted for it in the in the Senate. It passed the House like 414 to 16, and it was signed into law February 8, 1996. It basically deregulated everything. So he ran like really hard to the right yeah he went like super super hard to the right because it's insane because like he ran in 92 like running on universal health care and then in like 96 he's like i'm gonna deregulate everything and look look at how well i can stick it to the poor people yeah somehow trump is running to both sides of biden both sides <laughs> i mean i don't think biden seems to be aware of what's going on if i'm completely honest like does he really seem to be aware of what's going on no but i think the plan is to usher Kamala in when he gets hit with the get really old and die gun. <laughs> but like one of the really big impacts of the Telecom Act is like the way uh, basically the internet providers have basically uh, like come together to like act more or less as a cartel to carve up like parts of the country so that like it, it's kind of like gerrymandering that fucks over white people because you have like Comcast will like oh carve out like like a part of like a, a state and like like Verizon and like the other internet providers won't really like try to venture into those into that specific area and then like like AT&T will carve out like a different part of the state and they won't there won't be really any competition there either and then Verizon will carve out like a part of an area as well and it's like it's kind of like how almost like how the health insurance exchanges are working on Obamacare where like the insurers are only offering coverage in places that can turn a profit. Well I mean one of the things that I learned in econ 101 which is a fucking it's such a garbage class because there's so much ideology baked into 
it, but like you learn about the oligopoly and that's how in the tech industry in particular, like it's a handful of companies that are basically they're telling each other in advance how much they're going to raise prices and they're not actually competing with each other. They have to pretend to compete with each other to a degree that somebody can show up like in Congress and make a nice graph and say like, see? Yeah, they're, they're in competition just enough to make it look like, uh, just just enough to fend off any like antitrust lawsuits. Yes. But that's like to the degree that they will actually bother to compete because uh, because like capitalism, always, it's, it's kind of hilarious, the ironic, like how... Uh, how much like libertarians and like the uh, like fanatical free marketeers always talking about how much they'd love to see competition in the market when like capitalism almost always inevitably results in like concentration and monopoly. Well, and also Keynesian economics is contingent upon a central government basically subsidizing the oligopoly. I was just looking for something real quick because I can't remember which country it was that like Hillary demanded that Bill Clinton bomb in order to like get out of the doghouse right after Monica Lewinsky scandal broke out. Oh yeah, some wag the dog shit. Because uh, like right after the Lewinsky scandal broke out, Hillary was apparently refusing to talk to Bill Clinton until like he started bombing like a country in like uh, Eastern Europe. I think it was. That is about. so. That is the most fucking unhealthy relationship dynamic I have ever heard. <laughs> I'm gonna blow up the country now. Silent, silent treatment until you bomb the Middle East or some shit. Dean. Uh, it was either Kosovo or shit. Serbia. And so like a week later, like the United States started bombing, like, I think it was either Serbia or uh, Kosovo. What a fucking cuck. What a fuck. Yeah. It'll blow up a bunch of innocent people. What a cucking fuck. <laughs> you know, it's really nuts how, like, liberals, like, talk about the, the foreign policy of the Clinton administration. It's like, oh, he was a peacetime president. No, he spent mm-hmm. most of the country, like, bombing the shit out of tiny countries. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Who's cucking the fucks and fucking the cucks? <laughs> Tell me, Elizabeth, how exactly does one cuck a fuck? Uh, like, I honestly think that, like, Clinton bombed more countries than Obama did. It's an Obama bomb. I mean, Obama bombed, like, seven countries. He just bombed the same the same two countries many times, right? Whereas, I mean, Clinton was bombing one country that then became a whole bunch of countries, and then he was bombing all of those, right? He bombed a bunch of countries. Well, Obama was only... Bo- uh, Obama bombed seven countries during his eight years in office, but he, like, bombed the shit out of them, like, like almost oh, nonstop. Whoa. Whereas Clinton Bound bombed, him. like... Uh, several countries but like where it's like clinton bombed like several tiny countries but like uh, for like a much shorter period of time i'm just double checking this because it would be hilarious if we uh asserted this and then turned out to be wrong given the size of the countries though was the proportional damage the same yes this is worth litigating (laughs) clinton bombed like yugoslavia but yugoslavia broke up into several countries he bombed uh bosnia he bombed her uh kosovo he bombed Bombed, uh, where else drop bombs? On? He bombed Zizek so hard that he fucking landed in the <laughs> in the United States. Or no, yeah. what, what is Zizek? Where is he now? He's from, he's he's from, from Yugoslavia. Yeah, but no, where, but is, where he is, he is he now? I don't know. Uh, Slovenia. He's in the trash can. <laughs> Ideology. 
Also, uh, he did PNTR with China that Bernie's always, like, screaming at Biden about during the debates. PNTR? Permanent Normal Thread Relations. NTR. And that shipped, like, 350,000 American jobs overseas. So he did multiple shitty trade deals. Shit, you guys. It looks like Clinton only did actual bombing of Serbia and Iraq, which is way fewer than seven. But he was bombing Iraq, like, near constantly, yeah. I think. He bombed because, it like, a lot, but that's not the particular <laughs> stupid detail that we're litigating right now. So anyway... <laughs> The bombing of Iraq was, like, a project of American empire that spanned multiple administrations. And, like, the idea was basically uh, to try to foment, like, accelerationism in the sense of, like, we're going to make life so shitty for the average Iraqi that the logic was that, like, we're going to make life so shitty for the average Iraqi that they're going to, like, overthrow governments. But what actually ended up happening is they made life so shitty that people were, like, more, like, focused on, like, basic survival and didn't really have the energy or the effort to, like, you know, even consider that because, like, they're more focused on trying not to die. Like, the U.S. uh, I I had to. Hillary said she wouldn't talk talk to me until I bombed (laughs) the Arabs. Like Clinton, like the Clinton Bill, administration imposed uh, sanctions on Iraq that prevented uh, penicillin from being imported into the country. That's some evil shit. Some apocalypse now evil shit. It also caused a cholera outbreak because we were uh, banning the import of like basic like drugs. Cholera looks like in '93 to your earlier point about Iraq. We were doing cruise missile attacks on Baghdad in retaliation for an assassination attempt on George H.W. Bush. Hell yeah. That's news to me. Am I allowed to say that's a bummer they failed? (laughs) Gotta revenge our kings. Yeah. I mean, I was complaining earlier this afternoon that Henry Kissinger is still alive, so. See, a billion? He's like 96 or something like that. He's he's pretty up there. 96 billion? He's 97. Oh, fuck. Christ. See, like exactly. Like, why hasn't he, like, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be anything, like, absurd. Just, like, he can go in his sleep. I just find it annoying that he continues, like, to be here. I don't know, Joe. There are things worse than death. And he could face any and all of them before he dies, if it would make you happy. He would, actually. That's not going to happen. What year did he withhold penicillin? I think it was 93. Well, four years later, he apologized for the Tuskegee experiments. At least he apologized. It's been long enough. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I would say that he's, uh, that, that covers him on that, you know. He's off the hook. Good guy. Sorry. I almost forgot, uh, the American, uh, well, how, I, I don't know how I almost forgot, but, like, uh, our meddling and basically destruction of post-Soviet Russia in the 1990s, and how, like, the United States basically, uh, in a very crude and caustic way, like, reformed Russia into, like, our own image, if you will. We interfered with their, uh, with the 1996 Russian election, and it was so blatant that it was, that something in the summer of 1996, it was literally on the front page of Time magazine because the Clinton administration did not want the Communist Party to win the 1996 election. And so they basically interfered with the election to ensure that Boris Yeltsin, the alcoholic incumbent president of Russia, would in fact speed. And Yeltsin narrowly won re-election in 96. Yep. So... To all the people who are uh, Russian-phobic about them interfering in our election, we've done it before. I mean, it's karma, really. I mean, we fucked them over in 96, and then it came around to bite the United States in the ass 20 years later. 
to the extent that Russia even interfered with the 2016 election, because Cambridge Analytica had a much greater impact on the general election outcome than any potential Russian interference might have had. But to acknowledge Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica's role in the election results require, uh, that would be a crisis of capitalism. And in order to reckon with that, you would have to reckon with capitalism itself. So that's not going to happen. And it didn't happen. You'd have to like rewrite the entire 2000 and. 17 no yeah rachel Rachel maddow have to get some new writers (laughs) yep i mean she's still going on about that i think probably i i don't know i stopped watching cable news years ago about russia slovakia still going on about russia probably i mean (laughs) i mean one is one is uh like a story no longer being relevant ever stopped msnbc from being a dead horse for the sake of ratings also like the, the boomers are like have this like obsessive like i don't know rage towards russia because like from decades of propaganda like programming about like how evil the soviet union is yeah i've had a surprising number of people come up to me and say oh you know you were right russia isn't communist it turns out (laughs) they just walk up to you Hey, Jesse. At work, yeah. Because I'm always wearing the fucking... I always have the sickle and hammer mask when I come in. I wish I was allowed to get away with that. Even though I did come into the office on a day off once when I had to fill some shit out. And I was wearing, like, a DSA for Bernie shirt. And it, like, scared the shit out of my boss. What's your boss do you have? Scared of the DSA. <laughs> well, all of my coworkers are... all rep- Antifa. <laughs> all of my coworkers are Republicans. I'm scared of the Antifa. Yeah. Anyways, all right, fine. Sure. Actually, I had a coworker ask me once if I was like a member of Antifa. <laughs> yeah, we're an organized group. We have cards. <laughs> Can you imagine being scared of fucking Jews? <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing because we're so scared that we can't. I don't think there's anything else we can say on that topic, literally. (laughs) Okay to say. Yeah. Would you say that Clinton has established, like, his his, uh, administration kind of established a lot of the the aesthetics and trends that we now see in politics? Absolutely. Yeah. Where it began. Like, Clinton administration was, like, really, like, an escalation of, like, Reagan, of, like, what the work Reagan had started in the early 80s, like, breaking up the PATCO strike being the first president and invoke Tat Hartley, cutting the top marginal tax rate in half. Reagan wasn't able to get as much done as Clinton was because, like, Democrats controlled the House that entire decade. So there was a capa- there was an extent to which Democrats could put their foot down and be like, we're not quite ready to screw over workers that hard yet. And then there was the rightward shift in, like, the mid-90s with, the Reag- with like, the uh, 94 election with Clinton wanting to seem like he was tough on crime and wanting to stick it the poor people and but it was also yeah like the overall aesthetics of the 90s was there's a radical shift to the right in which the democrats became like the the new democrats who were like pro growth as it's referred to basically means just pro letting capital walk all over uh the proletariat or we need to deregulate everything, deregulate the fuck out of everything. And a lot of the deregulations that like the Clinton administration carried out eventually led to the 2008 subprime mortgage crash. In fact, actually, the Clinton administration in like, I think it was like 98 or 99, made reforms to the Community Reinvestment Act, which basically allowed, opened the open the floodgates for lenders to start offering subprime mortgages to lower income first time homeowners this flooded the market with with like subprime mortgages and about 10 years later the chickens came home to roost and the whole thing crashed and also the banks were collapsing in 2008 because 
the firewall between commercial and investment financial institutions had been ripped down in 1999 by the Clinton administration. And like the only thing that prevented like a bank run, the likes of which hadn't been seen since the Great Depression, was massive government intervention. The Clinton administration definitely set the tone for like the next decade because the Bush administration was like an escalation of what had taken place in that administration. The Obama administration was basically like the sanitization and the normalization of every like shitty thing that the Bush administration had done. Yeah, it's a process of capital. And the Trump administration has been an escalation of what Obama started. Like, like the Children in Cages program, that was begun under the Obama administration in 2014, one year into Obama's second term, for example. Uh, the drone program was, the Bush administration carried out, I think, like 65 drone, drone strikes during their eight years in office. And the Obama administration carried out thousands of drone strikes, dramatically increasing the scale and scope of the drone program. Like, and all you really have to do is Google the phrase Obama Yemen wedding. All you need to do. Also, I'm going to plug Thought Slime. He made a dank ass video on obama's presidency his newest video it was rather good between 2009 and 2015 uh the obama administration carried out 473 drone strikes during the entire bush administration there were 65 drone strikes wow or actually 51 drone strikes under the bush administration that eternal return see it's a cycle it's a pattern it keeps happening all everything they're like these concentric circles of history repeating itself, just various iterations of splitting the working class into different like sects that have different social values and ways of splitting the vote such that it always ends up being this horrid duopoly. It's not even two wings. It's two. I forgot what I was talking about. Bindi is giving me kisses, and it's it's I'm just basically in the fucking moment right now. I mean, they're really like the same party, but one is going to kill you with a smile. Kill it yeah. with a smile. Like the GOP is going to be up the same corridor, basically. Like, yeah. the GOP is going to be upfront about, like, how evil they are, but the Democrats are going to still be that evil, or, like, mildly less evil, but pretend to be something else. Right. It's like, will you help poor people? GOP. No. Democrats. No. With the pride flag. <laughs> yeah. Well, sort of. It's like, maybe... Half of the prison guard should be women. Yeah. <laughs> and there's... <laughs> Yeah, Laurie Penny always said the problem is not that there are not enough women in boardrooms, it's that there's too many boardrooms and not enough of them are on fire. Yep. There aren't enough trans women of color bombing down boardrooms. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And arresting people, Uh fucking shoving them into prisons that are overcrowded and overheated and undersourced. We need diverse fascism. Yeah. We we need diverse deaths from the skies. We can't just have predator drones. We need to have like a female version of the predator drone. A nice pink drone, yeah. The predator droness, if you will. Look, we were thinking... We can we can invest in this drone or healthcare, but like it's already here and it's pink, so yeah. Also, <laughs> Obama, fun fact, actually set the uh, precedent. He was the first American president to actually kill American citizens overseas with a drone strike on September thirtieth, two thousand eleven. Uh, U.S. Air Force drones killed uh, U.S.-born Anwar al-Awlaki in uh, Yemen. Was that the kid? 
he was 40. Uh, actually, okay, and then they killed his kid. <laughs> yeah, they killed did. the 16-year-old son like like a year yeah. later. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, actually, the 16-year-old son was killed two weeks later. Oh, never mind. Jesus. Congratulations. And Alawaki's eight-year-old daughter was also killed by a U.S. commando attack in Yemen on January 29, 2017. Holy about, shit. About a week after yeah. Trump took office. Cool. And that was also ordered by Obama. Well, actually, uh, no, it was it was arranged by Obama, but then Trump ordered it because he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what he couldn't do and kill the rest of this family." <laughs> Seriously, actually, I would say it's more like how uh, Eisenhower arranged and set up the Bay of Pigs invasion, but like he like you know handed Kennedy the bag and then was like, "Well, it's already too late to stop this, so like you might as well just say yes." Government. Yeah, and how'd that turn out? I mean, it turned out hilariously for the Cubans because they got to like be like, "Look, America tried to like overthrow our government again, and like we owned them." Yeah, dude. Putin's those noobs. Big dick energy. Like I, I still can never get over the fact that like the CIA tried to kill Fidel Castro over nine hundred times and they failed every single time. They put like pills in his shoes and shit. It was ridiculous. Exploding <laughs> cigars. That it's was like actually a plan. Yeah, shit. the exploding cigar is like. <laughs> absolutely cartoonish but very much actually happened which is why i love that like uh fidel castro dying at the age of 90 is like the ultimate middle finger to the cia <laughs> please read your history on mk ultra that's all i'm saying he died at the age of 90 of natural causes despite the fact the cia tried to kill him over 900 times this one i don't understand though they there was a plan to make castro's beard hair fall out yeah <laughs> I guess that yeah. would like they were full, okay. demoralize him. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. no, not, I am not my hair. That was oh, the yeah. one where they were lining his hat with this like chemical that they were hoping that would make his beard hair fall out. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what was the, the idea behind that. Like, Dude, this is the I guy mean, that would fucking go all around the world without any bulletproof vest or any protection. Like, like I can understand like the absurdity of like exploding cigars, but like because like that like it's a cohesive plan. Like we're gonna use this to blow him up, but like getting his hair to fall out, like what does that achieve? You know, it's like, so hard. You know how communism works. The longer the beard, the more power you have. Right. Yeah. That was exactly. in, that was in Das Capital. <laughs> Just ask that Cuban guy who was talking last night. The bitter pill of communism. Free healthcare, free jobs, free education, defund the police. Huge no, no, beards. no. These are false promises. Giant beards everywhere. A guaranteed meal every night. Wait, what? Oh. <laughs> Sounds nice. Reducing illiteracy by like 95%. We should just do a whole episode on all the ways that the U.S. tried to assassinate Castro. <laughs> I'd be done for that. I think that's in the uh, episode ideas. Oh, probably. It should probably be. Soon. Yeah. Like Cuba, like Cuba has a 100% literacy rate. The United States is like 84% or 86%. Did you see the tweet from that guy that was like, my, my dad was... Cuban and he never learned to read so that he couldn't be propagandized by the communists. Actually, I had to read I had to read and discuss an article in a sociology class last year and it was like one of those articles and I uh I kept on like shitting on it at every possible turn to the point where my sociology professor was like, Man, you really hate this article, don't you? And it's like, yeah, like oh oh the horrors. They <laughs> gave us free education. They gave us free childcare and a social worker to help us. They taught everybody to read, even though nobody could like the 
literacy rate was like 30% before this. Oh, the horrors. They gave us free education. When will it stop? They deported all the slave masters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And my professor was like, yeah, that's a good point. Because I, I was also like, well, any like any Cuban person who was like allowed to like write in the op-ed pages of like the New York Times is like probably like a landowner who's like pissed that, that like they were that their property was seized by the state to like house the homeless or some shit. Right. It's it's the same group of people that is suing Massachusetts right now because fucking they can't extract every penny from their tenants. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like it's literally those same people but like oh yeah, if a, if it's a Cuban person in the New York Times op-ed page, it's probably like a landowner. In the same way that like the landlords in Massachusetts are like flipping their shit that they can't evict their tenants in the middle of an airborne pandemic. I mean, I don't want to paint like American Cubans with a broad brush, but a well, lot of the Cubans, like- a lot of the Cubans that fled to America to write angry like editorials about Cuba, probably fucking pretty bougie. Yeah. Like, who complains about, like, only, like, incredibly wealthy people complain about the concept of, like, free healthcare for everybody. Because it, because they're the ones having to pay for it. Because everything comes down to profits at the end of the day in a capitalist system. To the exclusion of literally everything else. It's all sexual desire. <laughs> Satisfied by greed. When did this turn into, like, uh, a discussion about Freud? That's uh, what neoliberalism uh, is. It's a libidinal economy. It's the sex drive as the main urge. I mean, that was like Freud turned into everything. greed. Penis, penis envy. Penis turned like, into greed. <laughs> penis greed. <laughs> what, what, what was the it? Like, what was it that, into greed? I don't know what. How else to say it? <laughs> what was it that you said last night about like the like you need to build a bigger table in the chat last night? Uh, what was that? Me? Oh, what <laughs> I said. Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know. Most of it, I, I was having like a, a an argument like in my head, in in which somebody slaps their giant dick down on a table. Plop yeah. <laughs> or whatever. I forget. No, plonk. Plonk. Yes. In plonk. bold letters. I was exhausted. I don't remember what we <laughs> were, were talking very, about at all. I thought you were like about to fall asleep when you said that. Meanwhile, yeah. me and Scott were like subjecting ourselves. It was like a third seat. party. You were saying that a third party. Oh yeah, uh, was gonna plop its giant giant dick on the on the table. I don't have enough female friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh. <laughs> In DSA. <laughs> No. <laughs> That's not true. As I said, I mean, <laughs> next week I do plan on giving the Sankar primer and that dude had just average guy dick energy. Like <laughs> fucking He did a revolution. I, I, I know, but he was humble about it, dude. He was humble. He had revolution yeah. dick energy. He had normal dick energy and <laughs> I don't know, can you play the guitar and have normal dick energy? Okay. Can we give the context for this that you have some weird thing? I play the guitar and I have normal if not slightly <laughs> below average dick energy, okay? <laughs> I'll take your word for that cuz much don't... big dick energy no attention needed. <laughs> Correct. Jesse, the too much big dick energy in your eyes is a bad thing. <laughs> yes. All right. Because you need to re- because you need to spread the wealth. No, because if your dick is too long, so then you, you trip on it. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, Scott. <laughs> if you're swinging that cock around like a fire hose, you're gonna 
break a window or something. And that's I'm not so- good for communism. Yeah, that's bad. It's bad, bad for to- communism. Yeah. And you don't want to do that. It's bad for communism. I'm still looking up like the num- exact number of times that they tried to kill Castro. It was the same assassins that they sent after him 900 times. I mean, there's a whole Wikipedia article. They, they became very it. acquainted with their failed mission and themselves. <laughs> Several hundred. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> I really tell you, do they? Too bad, too bad. 638 Ways to Kill Castro is a documentary film which only talks about some of the ways that they tried to kill him. I remember Patel. that. Shit. Because I remember the New York Times had an article in 2016 about like how they tried like 900 times. A radio station rigged with gaseous LSD. An invincible boy. God. A poison syringe posing and an innocuous fountain pen. Damn. Yeah, his bodyguard must have had, like, the most stressful job. All I'm getting is over 600, which I guess is 638, which is less than 900, but it's still a very impressive number. Oh, I got the 900 number. I mean, a 6 is a 9 upside down, so maybe that was part of it. I mean, I could have sworn I saw a Times article, like, four years ago about that, but, but like, that four years ago feels like 3,000 years ago, so it's also that. What were you going to say, Jesse? I don't know. Okay. Seize the means of production. See, what the proletariat needs to do is they need to unite and become the party to dismantle the Democrats and Republicans and put pressure on the capitalist system and take it over. Yes. To enact communism. That's how we do it. Castro once said in regards to the numerous attempts on his life, if surviving assassination attempts were an Olympic event, I would win the gold medal. Yeah. Yes. Just wanted to add that. <laughs> that is it's accurate. Like, <laughs> I love, I'm looking at a Guardian article right now from November 26, 2016, and the article headline is, Close but no cigar, how America failed to kill Fidel Castro. From poison pills to exploding mollusks, the CIA and his allies tried everything to take out the human leader. Guess who tried the most times? Who? Guess. What the fuck? I assume the CIA? Yeah, but no, under what president was there the most attempts, I should say, sorry. Nixon. Uh, I want to say Lyndon Johnson. It, it was Nick. No, wait, it wasn't. It was Reagan. Nixon was number two, though. Yeah. Reagan yeah, was know. 197, Nixon with 184. Who's third? <laughs> Johnson, Johnson, yeah. LBJ. How many and then times Carter. How many times LBJ is a fucking... He's a mixed bag, yo. LBJ was 72 times. 72 times. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> LBJ was a fucking weird dude, but he sure knew had how he liked his strategies. Had a huge apparently. Yeah, he had to... Have you heard that recording of him telling uh, the... Uh, talking to the, the guy who was making his pants? Yeah, on, he was like, I need... I need like I thought it was like I need X amount of inches because like I got a big dick. See, that's a perfect example of when big dick energy gets you into trouble. Like, yeah, fucking well, look, he was like look at the Vietnam bungle that was just big dick energy on display. <laughs> Too much PDA. Oh and you god, end up trying Wasn't to kill like Castan. Yeah, it's no. a big boy. Was he? Hold on. Yeah, he was like freakishly tall. Freakishly tall. In every- six four. He was six four. That's pretty tall. How tall is Trump? Isn't Trump like taller? It's like six foot. Trump is six oh, three. Six three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. I don't think he actually is. He wears lifts in his shoes. That's why he stands weird. I'm sure he's righteously an uh, anal about controlling information about how tall he is. I mean, he did make a big deal about like the size of his hands during uh, his first run for president. So. Oh God, don't even. Yeah. Look at these hands. Big, beautiful hands. <laughs> yeah i mean lyndon johnson really was like a mixed bag because like he did a bunch of great things on domestic policy and then like almost all of the good that came out of that was canceled out by like vietnam yeah and the most depressing thing is 
he's like the best president we've had since like FDR. Yep. And like he did Vietnam. He was racist in the same way as FDR though. Like yeah. he was like a labor president, but he was very much like a white working class savior kind of a guy. Well, I mean he was of the white working class originally. You're wondering why like the future that was promised in the sixties never came? It's because of Vietnam yep. and the cost. <laughs> So. Well, it's because he sacrificed the uh, the great society for for Vietnam. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I maybe I should do a deep dive on uh, Ho Chi Minh because that motherfucker yeah. is interesting. Absolutely. I mean, also like the French Communist Party, man. They they had they spread the influence far and wide because uh, Ho Chi Minh was actually uh, a mem- became a member of the French Communist Party when he was studying in college, right around the time of the October Revolution, and then he came. Then he went back to what was then French Indochina to spread the ideas that he learned from the French communists. Mm. Those French communists, you just, you gotta love them. Well, also because France was fucking, France was colonizing like everywhere, all of Africa, like all of the revolutionaries in Africa basically had to speak French if they wanted to communicate with other world leaders and other members of the Communist Party. There were really, like, at that point in the 20th century, there were really, like, four players in Africa in terms of colonial powers. It was, like, France had mostly control of, like, Northwest Africa. Egypt and, like, most of, like, Eastern and Southern Africa were controlled by the British. The Germans had some holdings in, like, Southeastern Africa, and then... The Belgians had that like massive yeah. colony where they committed yeah. like brutal genocide, uh, genocidal like purges in Central Africa. Mm-hmm. It's really it. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, fun fact: the uh, the Belgian also they had control of Australia before England. So they did. And they mm-hmm. sold it off. Yep. Do you see? Do you see the social relationship between things, people, and the imperial powers, and how nothing fucking changes if we let these powers persist and we keep these conditions the way they are? Fucking see? I mean, arguably, the situation in Africa hasn't really changed because it is coming between like the mid '60s and now. The other thing that's really shifted is the sphere of influence and like uh, hegemony, like European hegemony has shifted from being uh, that of a colonial sphere of influence and domination to a economic and financial uh, domination and hegemony. We've they've replaced they've replaced the bayonet with the IMF. Yeah, actually, uh, next week, that will be like a central point of focus because God knows the IMF. Well, with the exception of Lebanon, the IMF has never passed up the opportunity to screw over a small country. The IMF is sus as fuck. Actually, mm-hmm. let me let me clarify on what I just said. Next week in the episode, it will be a point of focus. I don't think I don't think in <laughs> the real like in real life, people are gonna. <laughs> You're not trying to. All right, everybody who's listening to this next week, you are required to just care about the IMF. Yeah. IMF week, yeah. So are we are we going to also talk about the World Bank's influence, or are we just sticking to the IMF, European only? What is the difference? I'm a dummy. Um, the World Bank is usually controlled by an American uh, appointee. And yeah. The IMF is usually appointed by a U.S. No. So the spirit of uh, imperialism and exploitation is is still there. Okay. It's alive and well, absolutely. Mm. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's economic imperialism rather than, like, actual colonialism. Motherfucker. Even though the Chinese are starting to make inroads into Africa by, like, they're coming in and they're paying for and bringing a lot of Chinese labor to, like, pave roads and do all these infrastructure programs. And they're trying to curry their own, like, 
create their own sphere of influence within Africa. And their pitch is basically to all of these African countries. We never colonized you. So, like, give us a chance. That's literally, like, explicitly the pitch the Chinese have been making for, like, the last three or four years is, like, we've never colonized you. They have. So, like, give us, like, like do business with us because we've never been your colonizers. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Yes. We're going to dump, we're going to, we're going to colonize you, like, through, like, an economic imper- form of imperialism, like, financial imperialism. But, like, it's we want to actually be, like, we want to actually have, like, boots on your neck. Mm. Don't you have anything to say? Anything else to say about Mr. Clinton? A great, great Mr. President. He really hasn't aged well. No! He's not, he was not looking good at that DNC. He wasn't looking good four years ago. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I still I'm remember. Uh, as an ox. <laughs> I remember t- four years ago he got into an uh, he got into a, like a verbal altercation with a Black Lives Matter activist on a campaign stop, and uh, huh? I think it was like Philadelphia. Basically, told like a black activist to shut the fuck up. It's good time. Because there were, like, some activists who showed up to decry, like, Hillary's, like, super predator comments. And Bill was basically, like, shut up. Yeah, he said, you people. Yeah, you people. You people. You people don't understand what we were doing. You people. And the, like, the entire structure of the fucking crime bill was, already, it was like, in place already. Yeah. Fuck Bill. But then they had to, like, go mask off with Hillary being like, these black children in the inner cities, they're, they are... Yeah sociopathic super predators who must be brought to heal. That was a Reaganite talking point. Well, that's because they were kind of Reaganites. Yeah. And, uh, invented in the era of crack, which was a fortunate break for the Reagans that, like, this new drug suddenly arrived. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, it just happened by fucking accident. Alright. Everything's psyop. <laughs> it actually, is. You know, I would it I kind of believe. I, oh, was. Oh. That's like a conspiracy worth believing in. Wait, which drug? I didn't know that the CIA helped traffic in cocaine. Oh, yeah, well, they did. I don't know if they did, but yeah, I mean, that was the actual Nixonite like, like, thing. The, they no, they I mean, deliberately like, they, did that. The yeah. that, Reagan was was, the, uh, that was just a policy choice. Mm-hmm. That was part but, of like the dirty wars in Latin America. But the Reagan um, drug policy coming right in time for this sudden explosion in this new drug called crack like ooh like the CIA was actually airlifting uh heroin into LA uh, over the border in like the late 80s and into the 90s yeah that was air america no that was i think air america is the name of sam cedar's old show <laughs> actually air america was, <laughs> were... yeah that was that was the uh, like sam cedar's original network of, like that was the before. airline that they were using though it was called air america oh yeah 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 jesus christ there's a movie about it <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Fucking Movie Pants. And Sam Cedar was the pilot. You're right. <laughs> but you're right. Sam Cedar, uh, he flew the planes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing we're going to remember. Okay. I think that's that's it. That's it. That's all of it. All right, you fucks. Okay, I'm just... <laughs> you enlightened motherfuckers. You enlightened motherfuckers. How uh, many beers have you had, Scott? I've had none. I'm just tired. I worked out for the first time in many months. Oh, many, right. I, many moons. Uh, all right, so my name's Scott. Better than me. I haven't done that in years. We should all make commitments to uh, take care of ourselves better, everyone. Please, out there <laughs> listening. Um, Not just trying. your physical health, but your mental health as well. Yes, it's just as important. That's much easier to maintain than the physical health. No, it isn't. I yeah, did, yeah. <laughs> I disagree. I don't know what fucking. It's much easier to go for like. It's much easier to get on a bike than it is to like get over any way. Whatever. Uh, it is. Well, it's harder when you have hip problems and back. True. Problems. 
True. True, okay. true, true. So Joe always ends these episodes on a pretty like down note, which is, you know. <laughs> uh, at, at least I am consistent. Say what you will, but I am consistent. Uh, I'm always a little surprised. Scott, do you want to plug that cat little non plus look at on YouTube all the time? No. You don't it's my plug cat. The cat? Oh, I don't okay. even know because I don't know the cat's fucking name. Cat's name is Hosiko Cat. Okay, well there you go. There you go. Watch that cat. My name Great is Scott. Cat. Uh, that's that was me. I'm telling you, I'm recommending that cat. Ellie, you should go next. Let's change it up. Fuck you. I don't even know what cat we're talking about. Uh, I'm Ellie, and yeah. uh, j- just uh, this is the place where you can. I I don't don't follow me. Don't follow me on stuff. Just listen to me here. That's all. Joseph. Joe, you call me that. Oh <laughs> uh, fuck you. Just talk. I'm Joe. You can you can find me on the internet. Shouldn't be that hard. And yeah, I'm just going to call you Jessled. Jessled. What the fuck? Jessenson. I apologize. I'm Jessenson. <laughs> yeah. I'm Jesse, and you can find me on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash contingentsboston. And please remember to visit comrade-rosie.org for mental health and substance use disorder treatment resources in the greater Boston area. Also, be sure to give the podcast a like and uh, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The place <laughs> that you can find that podcast would be... Um, well, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on uh, Instagram, you can find us on Patreon, all at Epic Incredulity. You can find us on YouTube at the Epoch of Incredulity. Um, we also have a Facebook. Uh, did I say that already? I don't know. Um, and we're, we're doing fun things. You can follow us there. Anyways, that's your Epoch for the week. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy your fucking week, you enlightened fucks please try to survive please try to endure the republican convention try yeah. to avoid watching it if possible endure your epoch it is only for like the ment- like the very like mentally fit like people who can handle crafty it. and horror all right that's it enjoy your epoch <laughs> epoch Stop recording <laughs> Hit it, Craig. Did you get all that, Craig? It, it does. Yeah, I, I hope I, so. At least profile picker it does kind of. I I could go either way. It could be either an an owl or a robot having sex with a crab. Fucking Chicago Bulls symbol. <laughs>